All right, we're going to dive into Colossians 4, looking to greater communication. We're going to look to greater communication today. Now, as we start, I have a very important question for everyone. Do you prefer sweet or salty snacks? It was not a serious question, but I need to know, okay? So do you prefer sweet or do you prefer salty snacks? So we're going to actually take a vote. We're going to do a show of hands. So everybody take a moment to decide if you're going to be on the sweet side or you're going to be on the salty side. Even if you like both, you have to pick one. For the sake of my poll that has nothing to do with anything, you have to pick one side. Okay, so we're going to start with the sweet side first. So raise your hand if you are a sweet. That is actually a lot of people. Okay, so these are all the people that prefer sweets. I am on the sweet side. Um, so you would be all the people that I'd be very okay with sitting at the movie theater and sharing a snack with. <laughs> okay, so now we're going to look at the salty group. So who prefers salty snacks? It's like, it's a little bit even-ish. It's a little even-ish. Some of you I don't think voted. That's fine. Okay. Okay. So I, I I have to tell you that I have a complicated relationship with salt. Um, I don't really care for really salty things. Um, my brain kind of, uh, short circuits when I see people put salt on their food before they even taste it. Why? Why are you doing that? I'm sorry to call you out, but why are you doing that? And then, um, (laughs) and then I really like struggle when people put salt on the communal chips at the restaurant. I'm like, did you ask the table? Why are you doing that? So then I have to be the one that's like scraping off the salt or like getting extra salsa to kind of compensate for the salt ratio. And so my relationship with salt really hit a a difficult time when a couple of years ago, I thought that I was going to be a very nice sister. And I was going to make my brother Jacob this like apple crumble crisp dessert thing. And in my brain, I was like, well, he's really into apple desserts right now. And it'd be so special to make something instead of buying it from the store. And so I promise you, I spent hours working on this dessert because you have to peel all the green apples and then you have to cut them in these very, very like slender little slivers. And then you have to coat them so that they'll come out the right texture. And then I had to make the base then I had to make the filling, then I had to make the crumble topping, all the things, make it, cook it, all that. Okay, so I invite Jacob and my sister-in-law, Bianca, to come over, and I present my creation to them, and I'm very excited, and I serve it to everybody, and they pretty much like simultaneously go to take a bite together, and (laughs) Jacob starts snickering. He's like... And I, Bianca spit the entire chunk back onto her plate. And I'm like, is it overcooked? Is it undercooked? And I'm trying to like get them to give me an answer, but they won't because they're laughing at it. And come to find out it was too salty. And I was upset at Pinterest. I wanted to blame Pinterest. It has to be Pinterest's fault. So I'm going back into the like Pinterest thread, seeing why well, I should have read the comments and who made this recipe. And... Um, <laughs> Uh, Come to find out, I had put one tablespoon of salt instead of one teaspoon of salt. And it made a massive, massive difference. It was inedible. Like, they wouldn't even give me a pity bite 
or like a courtesy, like you go to someone's house, they wouldn't even do that. It was so bad. It was so bad. And so (laughs) that was the day that I realized the importance of salt being just right. I said to someone one time, I said, I hate salt. And she was like, you can't hate salt. Salt's in everything. And I'm like, okay, you're right. Salt is in everything. So there is a point where a person like me who strongly dislikes salt can acknowledge that something needs salt. And then there is a point where those of you who love salt can acknowledge that something is too salty. And so we need salt for our food, but we need it in just the right amount, seasoned just so. So what we're going to see today in looking at the first part of Colossians 4 is that salt is given as an example. It's given as an illustration in relation to our communication, to our tongue. And so I want you to keep in mind my salty experience experiences um, as we learn from God's word about communication with him and communication with other people. So let's get into Colossians 4 here. We're going to spend the entire time today looking at verses 2 through 6, but there is actually more of Colossians, and so make sure you study that on your own. Colossians 4, 2 through 6, it says this, devote yourselves to prayer Stay alert in it in thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open a door to us for the word. To speak the mystery of Christ for which I, this is Paul speaking, for which I am in chains. So that I may make it known as I should. Act wisely towards outsiders. Making the most of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you should answer each person. There it is. There's the salt. Okay, verse 6 again. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you should answer each person. Seasoned with salt. So we know that in biblical times, and I mean, really, this is common now, too, um, is that salt has been used as a preservative, a protectant, and as a flavor enhancement. Salt is a preservative, it's a protectant, and it is a flavor enhancement. So if we correlate this idea of salt to our speech, being called to be gracious, seasoned with salt, then our words, our conversation, our dialogue, our communication, even the nonverbal communication, should always preserve and protect and enhance. So our words, our communication should preserve and protect and enhance. Our speech can preserve the truths of the Bible. And um, we should protect people through our speech. And it should enhance the conversation. So our words, like salt, should help and not hurt. So here's where we need to take a little moment to reflect. Before we continue, what kind of speech, and this is the heavy question. Earlier we got the light question. Here's the heavy question. What kind of speech has been coming out of your mouth? What kind of words have you been saying? So have your words been uplifting, encouraging, loving, helpful, kind, supportive, wholesome, gentle, truthful, grateful, and purposeful? Or have your words been filled with put-downs, lies, jealousy, 
rage, unforgiveness, criticism, bragging, cursing, complaints, sarcasm, sass, gossip, hate, bitterness, disdain. That's a long list. (laughs) What kind of communication have you been having with others? There is a lot of us in here that aren't going around punching people with our fist, um, but we are punching them with our words. We are. We are. And um, I'll be the first to admit that it's very difficult to have conversations with people, to communicate with people, especially when they say something or they have an attitude that's ugly. And I will be the first to admit that my conversations have not always been kind, uplifting, and encouraging. They have not been. Um, Sometimes that's been done unintentionally and sometimes intentionally. Sometimes I have said something that I shouldn't have said and I knew I should not have said it. And sometimes my words have been misunderstood. But despite how difficult... (laughs) Others can be, and despite how difficult it is to control our tongue, the word, the Bible, is very, very clear, very direct, and very repetitive about the importance of taming the tongue. Because the tongue has the power, the actual power to build or to tear down, to spread love or to spread hate, to show goodness or to show evil. So let's look here what um, Proverbs 15, 1 through 4 says about the tongue. These are going to hit hard today, you guys. These verses hurt. (laughs) A gentle answer deflects anger, but harsh words make tempers flare. The tongue of the wise makes knowledge appealing, but the mouth of a fool belches out foolishness. The Lord is watching everywhere, keeping his eye on both the evil and the good. Gentle words are a tree of life, but a deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. If we go on uh, to verse 28 of this same chapter, uh, Proverbs 15, it says, The heart of the godly thinks carefully before speaking. The mouth of the wicked overflows with evil words. And we also see that the tongue is directly correlated to the heart. It's directly correlated to our relationship with God. And here's what Jesus said in Matthew 12. We're going to look at verse 34 and through 37. For whatever is in your heart determines what you say. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart, and an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. And I tell you this, you must give an account on judgment day for every idle word you speak. The words you say will either acquit you or they will condemn you. <laughs> okay, God. <laughs> God makes it very clear that our words, they matter. We have a responsibility in what we say, and we will be held accountable for every single word. The Bible has over 120 references to the tongue, and I truthfully, I wanted to read all of them. And I had to calm down and be like, okay, we're not going to read all of them, uh, because the topic is so important. The more I studied about the tongue, the more I found how uh, pivotal it is in our walk with the Lord, and how much it makes a difference in our relationships with people. And why is this? Because the tongue has the power of life and death. Like it actually has the power of life and death in it. In the book of James, James actually says um, that 
he compares your tongue to like a, a match, a spark that can set the whole forest on fire. That's how powerful your tongue is, and that's why we need to take such care of it. And so now here's the thing. If we want to have greater communication with people, we first have to start with our conversations with God. So the first thing that we're going to look at at Colossians 4 verse 2 is God honoring conversations stem from communication with him. God-honoring conversations stem from communication with him. So to communicate well with others in a biblical sense, we must communicate well with God. Uh, Verse 2 again, I'll remind you, says, devote yourself to prayer, stay alert in it in thanksgiving. So while I keep emphasizing over and over salt, our words need to be seasoned with salt. And while that is really our main focus for today, we can't have and we will not have appropriate communication with other people if we aren't first communicating with God. There has to be a direct order into that. So prayer, and yes, we can add on receiving communication that's given from the Bible when we're praying to the Lord. So prayer is to speak to God, speaking to him in your mind, speaking to him out loud, uh, privately with other people. Uh, To pray is to show gratitude and praise to our Lord. And prayer is to share with him your sorrows and your joys. Here in verse 2, Paul calls us to devote ourselves to prayer. Prayer, talking to God, is what builds our relationship with him. It builds intimacy with him. We can't know someone. You can't convince me that you can know someone if you don't have a conversation with them. That's how we build a connection with somebody else is by conversing with them. So this is a great spot for me to say that some of us... I'll include myself all the time. We really need to pray before we go off and talk about people or complain or address them without putting thought into it. Um, Some of us use venting as an out to talk about people or to complain or whatever the case may be. And so I want to bring us to Psalm 142, 1 through 3, that's going to address that. It says, I cry out to the Lord I plead for the Lord's mercy. And here's the, here's the kicker here. I pour out my complaints before him. And I tell him all of my troubles. When I am overwhelmed, you alone know the way that I should turn. So I'm not saying that you can't speak to trusted, godly people about a situation that you're going through, but remember that you can speak to God. You should be speaking to God. He should be your first go-to person. So where does your prayer life currently stand? Do you even pray? I'll ask it. Do you even pray? When you pray, what does that look like? So I'd encourage you, do a whole study. Just, just pull up the Bible app and put prayer and read all the verses that have references to prayer. Uh, because what Jesus did on the cross, dying for the forgiveness of our sins, opened direct access and fellowship to him. So are you actually participating in that fellowship? Are you actually communicating with him? Um, so God-honoring conversations stem from communication with him. We have to get that before we even get back to verse 6 about our our words being seasoned with salt. Now looking at verse 3 and 4 of Colossians 4, we're going to see here that prayer should include others and a focus on sharing the gospel. Prayer should include others and a focus on sharing the gospel. Prayer can be about us. Prayer can be about us. 
but it shouldn't just be all about us. And also on the flip side, okay? So prayer shouldn't be all about somebody else and you never address yourself. There needs to be a balance here in what we pray to God about. Um, So reading those verses again, uh, verse three, at the same time, pray also for us that God may open a door to us for the word to speak the mystery of Christ for which I, Paul, am in chains so that I may make it known as I should. We need to recognize here that Paul was in prison when he was writing this letter. He was in chains. He invited the recipients of this letter to pray that he would have opportunities to speak to God or to speak about God. And when those opportunities came, that he would do it well. So notice, this is big here, notice that Paul is looking at the interest of other people's soul. He's looking at the interest of other people's salvation, of their walk with God, of their growth, before looking at his own discomfort or his own difficulty. And I feel like I don't do that enough. (laughs) He looked to other people's soul, to their salvation, before he looked at his own discomfort or his own difficulty. We should take note that prayer should include others and a desire to share our faith. First Timothy 2, 1 says it like this. I urge you, I urge you, first of all, to pray for all people. Ask God to help them intercede on their behalf and give thanks for them. Are you praying for others? Are you praying for doors to be open that you can spread the gospel And I'll tell you one of the primary ways that I have seen a tense relationship in my life improve is when I've prayed for that person. (laughs) A genuine prayer for their welfare, not a prayer against them. (laughs) Okay, now we're going to move on to verse 5. Verse 5 of Colossians 4. This says, act wisely towards outsiders. This means unbelievers making the most of the time, which this isn't to say that you don't act wisely to everybody, okay? But we need to be extra careful when we're talking to those who do not know Jesus. Act wisely. (laughs) This is where we get into trouble. Okay, wisdom comes from reading the Bible and asking God for help. Wisdom comes from reading the Bible and asking God for help. So I want to define what wisdom even means. We say this word a lot. Wisdom is applied knowledge. Wisdom is applied knowledge. We are, take, we are talking about godly, biblical wisdom, not the wisdom of the world. The Greek word for wisdom is Sophia, the capacity to understand and function accordingly. The capacity to understand and function accordingly. So what this means is that we're first reading the word for knowledge and comprehension. We're going to the Lord and then we apply that knowledge and comprehension to our lives and to our situations. That's what wisdom is. We're actually applying. So what you hear me say today, uh, the verses that I read, you now apply them to your life. That's wisdom. Uh, Proverbs sixteen sixteen, just direct, super direct. Get wisdom. Get wisdom. How much better it is than gold. And get understanding. It's preferable to silver. Proverbs 18, 20 and 21 says, wise words satisfy like a good meal. Wise words satisfy like a good meal. The right words bring satisfaction. The tongue can bring life and death. Those who love to talk will reap the consequences. 
<laughs> okay, so we're going to read the Bible to know God's word. We're going to read the Bible to know God's word. Uh, I always think over and over again, 2 Timothy uh, 3.16 talks about what the word actually does. It talks about scripture is inspired by God. It's useful to teach us what is true, to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It's okay to realize what's wrong in your lives. Um, it corrects us when we're wrong, and it teaches us what to do um, and what is right. So we won't be able to cover everything about the tongue today, but there is a Bible verse for everything about the tongue. <laughs> so if you're struggling with anger, there's a Bible verse for that. If you're struggling with uh, condemnation, there's a Bible verse for that. If you're struggling with saying silly things, well, there's a, con- uh, a Bible verse for that. <laughs> uh, so get in there and find out how can I better use this thing that God gave me for his glory, not for my own. Um, and then as Christ followers, we can actually ask God for wisdom. We can. In James 1, uh, 5 through 8, he says, If you need wisdom, ask our generous God, and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. Okay, but you, you got to read the rest of the verse. It does say that you need to be in line with Jesus. <laughs> you need to act, your, your commitment and loyalty actually be, needs to be to him. Okay, so if you need wisdom, ask him, and he will give it ge- generously. We need wisdom. I need wisdom when I talk to people. Um, we need to apply the knowledge given to us in the Bible. And hey, we need to allow the Holy Spirit <laughs> to change our attitude and to lead us in our words to others. I, I, you guys, I need, the, I need the Holy Spirit when I'm talking to people. You all know. Don't act like you don't know how you, when people talk to you. They say crazy things all the time, every day, everywhere we go. People are saying crazy things. We need God's wisdom. We need the Holy Spirit to intercede when we're talking to people. Um, so have you been using wisdom when it comes to the way you speak to others? Okay, finally, we're going to go into verses 5 and 6 of Colossians 4. Okay, this is the season with salt section. Um, and it says again, let your, spe- your, your spe- speech, let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt. Here's what we know. Communicate. You need to communicate with truth and grace in every opportunity. You need to communicate with truth and grace in every opportunity. So what does this mean? When we refer to the truth aspect, this is the content of the speech. So not your truth, not the world's truth. Um, Biblical truth, God's truth. Then when we talk about grace, grace means the manner of the speech, the manner of the speech. So grace means um, that you have courtesy, (laughs) goodwill, politeness, mercy, dignity, and compassion. So communicate with truth and grace in every opportunity. We have constant opportunities. If you didn't realize, you have constant opportunities to have your conversation be pleasing to God and in respect to other people. We can do both at the same time. We can speak truth and also speak truth in grace. So let's look at just a few more verses here. Proverbs 12, 18 through 19 says this. There is one who speaks rashly like a piercing sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Truthful lips endure forever but a lying tongue only a moment. And this one hits me really hard. <laughs> I was like, oh, this verse was made for me? Okay. Proverbs twenty-one twenty-three: The one who guards his mouth and tongue keeps himself out of trouble. Yeah. 
The one who guards his mouth and tongue keeps himself out of trouble. A lot of us are in trouble and in conflict because we don't guard our tongue. Because we aren't mindful or careful about what we say. We don't even know how we should be talking to people because we have not consulted the Bible. We haven't communicated with God. And listen, like, I've been in this spot, so that's why I'm going to say it. But many of you are in trouble and conflict right now because of your tongue. Now, obviously, you cannot control the tongue of other people. um, But you can be mindful of your own tongue. Some of you are making your situation worse. I've made my situation worse by what I have said in response to someone else. Some of you are in strife with your spouse. Some of you are in strife with your children. You're in strife with a coworker because you're not controlling your tongue. Some of us want to put the blame on everybody else and we share part of the blame. And here's a thought for you. Let's just say that even if your words don't directly hurt a single person, but they could be hurting you, your words can cause people to see you in not a good light. So have you been speaking truth and grace to others and to yourself? Now, I get it. (laughs) We often want to talk to be heard. We often want to talk to be understood. We want to fight for a cause. (laughs) We want to get closure. But self-control and discipline are required when it comes to the tongue. It just is. We must set aside our pride (laughs) and allow God to control this thing. We don't need to speak unchecked by him. We do not need to speak unchecked by him. Often, okay, more than often, it's okay to think before we speak. It's very okay to think. So This sounds silly a little bit, right? Like we, the kindergarten teacher talk, taught us this, right? And yet we aren't always doing the best job at it. Often it's okay to think before you speak, and often it's okay to not speak at all. Ecclesiastes actually speaks about this. So in in chapter 3, it talks all about the different seasons for things. Well, specifically in verse 7, it says, For everything there is a season, a time to be quiet and a time to speak. That's from the Bible. That's not Amanda. There's a time to be quiet and there's a time to speak. And James 1.19 says it like this, Everyone should be quick to listen, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Y'all, God, God's gotten me this whole week. I've had to catch myself all the time. Like, don't say that. Don't say that. Don't say that. When you're preparing to talk about the tongue, you're like, oh, don't say that. Don't say that. I hope that that becomes you this week. Oh, don't say that. Don't say that. Don't say that. Don't say that. Um, and here, one of the things I wanted to say, too, is some of you, not most of us, not Amanda, but some of you, uh, it's okay to speak. You have value. You have worth. You have encouraging and loving things to say, so say them. So are you convinced yet of the power of the tongue? We all need this. We all have room for improvement. And so you may think, like, theoretically, this all sounds good. It would be great if we were receiving positive life-giving words all the time, and it'd be great if we were giving those all the time. But I want to share a couple of practical ways that we can do this. There's in no order whatsoever, because everybody's in a different stage of where their communication lies. But first thing you need to do is evaluate. (laughs) Evaluate your words. Ask God to reveal to you what your speech has been, 
and what needs to change. What is your intention behind what you say? Y'all, some of you know you're talking because you have a bad intention by what you're saying. You know you are. I've been there. Backtrack. What is leading you to say what you're saying? I, I found myself giving this person a lot of just like sass. I was being short with them. And I thought it was because they were annoying. That's horrible to say, right? I thought it's because this person's annoying. No, it wasn't. It was because... It was because they had hurt my feelings and I was taking it out on them. And I had to pray and seek the Lord to realize what was truly causing me to speak that way to that person and then actively make a change. So another thing outside of evaluate is seek. I can't say it enough. Seek the Bible. Seek God in prayer. Seek Jesus. Look to him. How did he talk? Also practice. It's okay to practice what you're going to say before you're going to say it. Pause before you talk. When in doubt, don't say anything because here's the thing. You can't take away words, but you can always go back later and say something. You can't take back words, but you can go later and say, I have something to say. Also check, check your attitude. Okay. Parents in the room, you've had this before. Yes, mom, I'll go clean my room. Okay, that's the right words, the wrong attitude. Okay, I have, my students did that to me all the time when I was a high school teacher. They said the right things, but oh, they rolled their eyes and they made a face. And I was like, just stay calm, just stay calm, just stay calm. Okay, check your attitude. Um, also, stay away. Stay away from situations that you know you're going to have a hard time controlling your tongue. And I get it. Like some of us, we can't stay away from certain situations. Like you have to go to work. Don't not go to work. But this is not an excuse to not go to work. But, but you need to prepare then. If you know you can't get away, like you need to prepare. On the flip side, go towards people. Go towards people that want to speak in a godly way. Um, I think about uh, my grandma Fina. Her first language is Spanish. All the grandkids' first language is English. And so we try and converse with each other. What I found is that the more we are around grandma and the more we're around the Spanish language, the better our Spanish is. We say the words better. We pronounce them better. We learn more words. But when we're away from the Spanish language, when we're away from Grandma Fina, we don't understand what we're saying. And we're saying it all wrong. So that's the same way. Like if you want to make strides in your language, then you need to be intentional about being around people that their tongue is giving life and they're actually being mindful of what the word says about their tongue. Okay, two more, two more things. Apologize. Apologize when your words fall short. I'm just going to leave that there. Okay, there you go. Apologize. And finally, forgive. Forgive yourself when your words fall short. Forgive other people when their words fall short. Um, but you got to know this is, the Bible speaks that this is going to be a challenge every day of our lives. Every day of our lives, it's going to be hard to control our tongue. Um, so we need to be mindful of it, but we also need to seek repentance. We also need to be forgiving to other people. And here's what, what I'll say. It is possible. It is very possible to have greater communication. Very possible. But it will require reliance on God and effort on your part. 
It is possible to have greater communication, everyone, but it will require reliance on God and it will require effort on your part. And thankfully, God equips us. He's given us tools, he's given his word, and he's called us to do something. So every single word of Colossians 4, 2 through 6 calls us to action. It says, devote, devote yourself to prayer. Pray, pray for all of us, act, act wisely towards outsiders. Let, let your speech always be gracious. Devote, pray, act, let. These are all verbs. Yes, I was an English teacher. These are all verbs, all actions. So as we see, it is possible to have greater communication, but it will require reliance on God and effort on our part. (sighs) Okay, we need you, God. This This is too much. Okay. Okay, today, here's what I really want for us. Today, may we experience true change in the way that we talk. May we allow him to transform our words to become what he wants them to be. All the while remembering that it starts with a relationship with God. If you don't have a relationship with God, he invites you. He invites you to make um, that, make be made new in him. He invites you to experience wholeness and freedom. And he invites you to move out of darkness and into light. God so loved us, he gave us his son. He gave it all and in turn, we trust and we surrender to him. So I'm gonna read Romans 10, nine through 11. And it says this, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord, And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. From it is by belief in your heart that you are made right with God. And it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. As the scriptures tell us, anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. As Christ's followers, in wanting to obey and grow in Christ, we should have a desire for our words to be in accordance with his word. And so this is what I want our prayer to be today. This is what I want our prayer to be today. You can take this on as your prayer too. Psalm 141.3. Let Lord set up a guard for my mouth. Keep watch at the door of my lips. Lord set up a guard for my mouth. Keep watch at the door of my lips. Can that be our prayer today? Let's expand it further. Psalm 19:14 says, "May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you. O Lord, my rock and my redeemer, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you." If you don't know what else to say to God today, say that. <laughs> May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you. So here's our big like reflection question for today. What changes need to be made in the way you communicate with God and with people? What changes need to be made in the way that you communicate with God and with people? Can we come to God today in our very true and raw state and allow him to refine and to change us. And that actually might mean um, today that you receive healing from words that have been said to you. I've needed to have that many, many times. Something someone said to me and I needed healing from what they told me. And moving past the guilt and shame you may feel from the words that you said to someone else. I've also been there where I felt horrible by what I said to somebody. 
and I needed the Lord to heal my heart from that. And this is going to sound silly, but I was a high school teacher. And so I found that silly examples help us to remember things. Can you be raw today? (laughs) Like a piece of raw meat and allow God to put you on the fire and to cook you. He's the chef, cook you the way that he wants to cook you, the way he sees fit. Can you come to him in your very raw, honest state about where your tongue is, about where your attitude is, about where your mind and your heart are? And it might not look nice. I don't think raw looks nice. What matters though is where it is going. And maybe you have a decent grasp on your tongue, but there's always room for more improvement in our communication with God and with people. Always, always.